Uh, so thrilled to be with you. So excited about our time together. Um, I have a computer this time. Joel, my uh, partner in Insanity, uh, is not here today. And so it's just going to be us hanging out together and spending some time chatting together. Um, and I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, I am going to also have a computer in front of me today because uh, I would really very much enjoy uh, spending time together today. So I'm going to be kind of watching uh, as you guys all pop in and say hi and be doing the same thing uh, because I, I think uh, much of what's been stirring in me over the last couple of days, even as I was processing what we would spend our time doing together here on Facebook Live, is this uh, reality of the extraordinary need that we have for one another and for human connection as God designed it for for us and, and, and how to really uh, continue to press into that and facilitate that. And, and this is one small way is being able to be together, uh, maybe not in the same geographical space, but uh, because of the incredible technologies affording, afforded us to really be together uh, in the same moment in time, being able to interact with one another. So um, I was joking with the team earlier that if I can't find the video, that I'm going to have to call Keith or Amanda over here and I'm not doing this because uh, I'm trying to be uh, like do it on purpose, but I, I can't find any video. So, and I need the video because you guys are all jumping on and I don't know that you are and it's not going to work that way. So, hello, hello, Keith, Amanda. Yes, I know you are. Uh, it didn't pop up and it didn't go anywhere, okay, but you, you're gonna special. We're going to find it. This is Amanda. Hello. Say hi to everyone. I mean, most of you know her, yeah. uh, but it's awesome. But uh, by the way, in case you don't know this, uh, there's an amazing uh, team of people that sit just behind us here, uh, the <laughs> curtain, and they're constantly watching the unfolding realities of uh, all of the um, all the things. Thanks. Look. Perfect. Oh, look at that. Woody, what's up? Uh, that's so fun. So super, super excited. Uh, and now we have comments going, and I can see what's happening, and it's awesome. So um, as I was saying, uh, the thing that's kind of been stirring in me a little bit uh, as we've been uh, walking through this last couple of days is this deep uh, and clear uh, um, uh, clarity from the Word of God that we need each other, that God created us uh, with a deep need for one another, just as we deeply need Him. And in fact, um, as we have talked about in the past, from a, from a, a gospel perspective, when God created mankind and he created Adam, and then after Adam was created, he, he, he said, this is not complete, it's not good, it's, it's not right yet, and he created Eve. It, it was not the consequence of Adam being lonely because Adam had God. It was the consequence of God creating us as a human race, as those who would uh, image him or display his image. And because he exists in community, we needed to exist in community. And yet simultaneously, the very nature of him existing in community as one God then leads us to experience that reality of community as a critical part of our well-being and a critical part of what makes not only us us, but makes me me. So I need the reality of community, and I, and I don't have that by myself. Whereas God has that in his, in his, in, in himself as the triunity of God, I don't. And so now suddenly my need for other people 
becomes a part of how I was created. Um, and it's been very interesting over the journey that I've taken over the last couple of years, uh, just how incredibly clear this has become, not just in God's description in scripture, but also in the way that we're designed. Um, and speaking of community, uh, Lauren, so great to see you. And Lynn, so great to see you. Obi, what's up, buddy? Uh, so great you're here. Kelly, you as well. Um, Cameo, you're on. So great to see you. Oh, look at that. Carrie, you're on. So, so many of you jumping on. Did I miss anybody? Um, oh, Melissa, there you go. So uh, everybody's on here. So good to be with all of you guys. And just so you guys know, um, as I'm chatting today, just kind of laying out the foundation of where I want to go today, uh, I would love uh, to see you guys jumping on and, and uh, talking about things, ideas, questions, et cetera, that you have. And, and you'll see in a few minutes with what we're stepping into, how, how that's going to play out. So anyways, as I was saying, uh, one of the people I've gotten to know over the years that has been just such a joy to get to know is uh, uh, a man who lives up actually up in the D.C. area. His name is Kurt Thompson. Uh, he's written a couple of books. Uh, the one that I, I probably uh, like the, the most is um, a book called um, The Soul of Shame. And he is an interpersonal neurobiologist. So he's a psychiatrist with a specialty in interpersonal neurobiology. Neurobiology, obviously, the working of the brain and our neurology and how all that functions, neurobiological pathways, etc. And then specifically for him, uh, his specialty is how my encounter with you or your encounter with me changes me or changes you. And one of the things that he's discovered in many, many, many years of work, working specifically in areas of trauma and PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, with uh, men and women out of uh, the military and then also in the adoption world, uh, is that when we interact in community, that communal interaction sparks tremendous realities in our biology, in our neurobiology and in our biology, the way that our brain shapes and functions, uh, and the way that our biology, our chemicals and our body shape and function, what it essentially boils down to is that God designed us to be better and uh, have a better well-being when we are connected to one another. Uh, I was watching last night with Brooke uh, the final episode uh, of The Great Race that I think I mentioned last week as well uh, on Prime, this eco-challenge in Fiji, where these teams of four people had to work through incredible and difficult environmental realities, climbing mountains, uh, paddle boarding, uh, uh, rowing, hiking, mountain biking, everything else you can imagine. And they call it the hardest race in the world. And we watched the final episode, and one of the women in the final episode was just kind of sharing on camera about her experience. And she was a, a part of a team, and she has struggled in the past uh, with some depression and struggling with anxiety. And she was just talking about how this race has utterly uh, uh, changed, again, that space for her. But one of the things she said that I found very interesting is she said, you know, what I'm discovering in life is that what I think about myself and how I feel about myself and being okay with myself um, is, is the only thing that really matters. And whether people love me or whether people hate me, whether I'm, I think she said, whether I'm loved by anyone or hated by everyone, it, it really doesn't matter. It only matters what I think about myself. And, and I thought to myself, I even leaned over to Brooke and I said, you know, uh, I, she's wrong. I mean, she's wrong about that. That uh, I think there is a space where we find our confidence 
in Christ and our confidence in who he's made us. So when a person or a group of people don't like us, we don't have to wrap our identity into that. So there's a lot of truth to that. You don't need to be undone by the realities of what people think about you. But if you are a person, I am a person and I am not loved by another person or a group of people. I go through life and all I've got is me. Actually, that will be terrible for your entirety of being. It's terrible for you neurobiologically. It's terrible for you biologically, chemically. It's terrible for you emotionally, spiritually, holistically. It's terrible for you. So we need each other. We need each other deeply and we need each other significantly. And I think that that, um, that started moving me into some interesting thinking processes about where we're at in our world today. Before I jump into that, l- listen to this real quick. Uh, this is from Scripture, the different times in the New Testament where we hear the idea of one another or each other. So do this with each other, do this for one another, with one another, um, uh, and so we call them the one another's, right? And there's actually 59 different points throughout the New Testament in the Gospels, uh, in Romans, uh, in uh, Corinthians, in Galatians, in Ephesians, in Philippians, in Colossians, in Thessalonians, uh, in Hebrews, uh, in James, in Peter, um, uh, in First John. So, so what that means is, It wasn't one letter from one author of scripture that this was their passion point and the spirit of God used that. It is throughout the letters and across authors of the New Testament. And it's all the verses that say, listen, this is how it needs to be with one another. Be at peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another. Uh, Stop passing judgment on one another, accept one another, instruct one another. Uh, There's just a long, long list. Be kind and compassionate, be patient, submit to one another, consider others better than yourself. Do not lie to each other, bear with one another, bear each other's burdens, admonish each other. The point is this, that in scripture, it is abundantly clear that God created us and intends us to do life with one another. That's what he intends. So this is what um, becomes interesting for me. We have just lived through a season and are still living in that season where the reality of our interpersonal connections have been tested significantly and are still being tested. For a season, they were tested with a total isolation, really basically saying, look, man, You all need to separate from each other, be in your homes, don't go anywhere unless it's critical. And for many of us with our homestay spaces, we had the people around us. Some of us didn't have anyone around us. Um, But our connections and our interactions with others uh, was just greatly diminished. And, And then interestingly enough, as that has progressed and we've now moved into more interactions again, we have things in place because of COVID-19 that cause us not to be able to interact with each other in the kind of intimacy that we're designed to interact just as one friend to another, one person to another. So what do I mean by the kind of intimacy? When I am interacting with you, my face, God has designed my face and your face 
to be able to have expressions and to be able to shape and move so that it's not just my words that you're hearing, but it's everything you're experiencing from my face and my body that is producing language. It is producing emotion. A smile is a really, really powerful thing. So in neurobiological terms, it's fascinating when you watch how your brain receives input and then how it signals your brain to do certain things. So for example, when you smile, listen to this, this is so crazy. When you smile or I smile, if I am in, if I'm in a bad mood and I, I, I'm just, I don't want to smile. If I force a smile and I hold that smile for a period of time, my brain gets the signal of the smile, releases chemicals that match what that smile is trying to send a signal for. My brain is making the assumption I have seen or experienced something that is making me feel happy. And so it releases the chemicals into my body that add to my happiness. So dopamine or serotonin get released and I feel a bit happy. So we joke uh, often in, in my home to say you can trick yourself, trick your brain into realizing it's happy by just smiling. But, but the same goes when it's person to person. If I smile at you, you smile at me and I see your smile. My brain receives that input and it releases a certain uh, concoction of chemicals that tell me this is, this is a happy moment. So you can imagine if I am removed from being able to see that in regularity, how that small tiny shift has a giant dynamic change over days, weeks, and months in terms of our communing and how we affect one another. Then we know from science that um, when we hug, if you hug a person and you hold that hug for, I think it's seven seconds. So don't quote me on that because I forget how many seconds it is, but it's, it's a very, very short period of time, a couple seconds. Then at a certain point in a hug, your brain, again, releases a, uh, a, a hit of chemicals, a dopamine serotonin that make you feel well, that make you, your well-being increase, your feeling of well-being, and they make you feel happier. So how often do we not touch one another uh, as we interact, a hand on a shoulder, uh, uh, grab a, a wrist, a hand on the side of the shoulder, all these thousands of interactions that happen day in and day out throughout your or my movement through one another's worlds where we are experiencing human touch at, at different points from the people around us, sometimes hugging because it's a dear friend, it's someone, and we, and we hug and we say hi. And all of these things are adding to the way God designed our brain and body to function to add well-being. Okay, so, so you're with me on all that. So what if we remove a bunch of that? What if we pull uh, our interactions, pull our ability to see each other's smiles, pull our ability to, to just have that normal sense of being able to just grab a hold of you, high five, shake your hand. I mean, all of these interactions have neurobiological and biological impact on us in a very healthy way. And when they are absent, it is detriment to our well-being. Okay, so with all of the scriptural realities that come with that and all of the, um, all of the uh, biological and scientific realities that come with that, it, it dawned on me that uh, we need to be very intentional. I need to be very intentional about moving myself out of the rhythm of being away from people 
into a rhythm of connecting with people. I, I need to move myself into that space if I'm not already in it. I think for many of us, we are what I might say, getting used to this new way of just being more separate, more away from each other. It's been interesting with my kids at school, how they have described how different school feels because uh, typically at school, you're sitting with desks, you're chatting with the person next to you, you're doing little things, sometimes to the disdain of the teacher without a doubt. But now because they are six feet apart and they're wearing a mask the entire time, the interactions are essentially eliminated. Uh, and, and it's very, very difficult for, for them to wrap their minds around that. That's kind of the world that, that we're in right now. So without um, just simply ignoring the realities of safety that all these things are in place for until we can get a handle on some of the COVID um, uh, uh, vaccines and, and COVID uh, um, uh, uh, protocols that, that will help us stabilize, um, we have to be more intentional in finding other ways to connect. So that kind of got me thinking, man, what does it mean uh, for us to establish into our day, not our week, our day, rhythms that will allow us to be able to initiate more connection with those that we have not been connected with. This is a discussion that Brooke and I um, have been, um, have been uh, talking about because there's many of you, uh, some of you even uh, on here, uh, many of you that we now realize we have not literally uh, talked to or seen in months. And uh, so uh, I had bumped into um, Jacob uh, Shoemaker this uh, last weekend and saw him for the first time and then uh, was thrilled, connected with um, his family via text. And Brooke said to me, yeah, she was talking to Heidi because she kind of goes down the road and the way we kind of come and go from church, she drives by right where their neighborhood is. And every time she does, she thinks about them. And, you know, you, you're driving, you mean to reach out, but you just don't. And so she finally did. And, and then Heidi said, oh my gosh, it, it's so good to connect. And Brooke was telling me last night, just what a powerful thing it is to remember that there's these little connections that make such a big difference to both parties connecting uh, because it, it has it, it has all of that feeling. Uh, it's, it's funny, um, I, I just saw in here that those hits of chemicals from hugs also enable us to trust a person more. Isn't that amazing? Um, all of the different things that God designed our body to do, just super, super cool. The trouble is that we are more disconnected than ever. So I have begun a journey in my own mind of talking about uh, or, or thinking about for myself what rhythms I have the privilege and ability to put into place that will move me into a space where my well-being will increase so that I am more able to be available as a living sacrifice to the work that God wants to do through me uh, in my home and, and in my family, in my neighborhood, uh, and in my community. Because when I have a diminished well-being, it's far more difficult for me to then come and present myself in a space that allows uh, God to use me in a powerful way in others. And, and this is true for all of us. This is why as we affect one another, it causes us all to be able to be better 
at lifting each other up. And so now we're back in those spaces we've been talking about in Ephesians, right? That our words and our actions toward each other have this powerful reality to be able to lift one another up. And it happens literally in our efforts to connect with one another in special ways. So what rhythms can we put into place that would allow us to begin to say, I'm going to intentionally in my day work toward more communal connection and work toward a greater uh, well-being in totality for myself as I uh, journey through this particular season. So in thinking about that, it's kind of been on my mind uh, over the last couple of days. And then, of course, all the community stuff. Uh, I had a fantastic cup of coffee with a friend this morning. Um, And again, like probably many of you, uh, like me, uh, over the last few months, work pressure has increased. For some of us, we've lost our jobs, so financial pressure has increased, or our jobs are more stressful than ever because there's smaller budgets, less people, more demand, or the industries that we're in, it's harder to engage in those industries than ever. So that is his case. The workspace is more challenging than ever. Uh, They have um, two small children at home. And so uh, going into work in the morning, getting through the day at at a high level of stress, um, and then coming home to two small children and engaging in uh, getting everything done as quickly as possible and loving on them and getting them ready for bed and doing all that. Finally, to get to the point uh, in the evening where the kids are down and then you engage with your spouse, uh, but you're exhausted and spent and done and your spouse is exhausted and spent and done. So you sit down, uh, you throw on something brainless, you flip through a thousand channels, you let it ride. You have no energy for anything, either communal or interactive or to engage in something. And then you get to that night space You go to bed, and as you go to bed, your mind is already dreading the sun rising the next morning because you know how that's going to roll. Get up, uh, get going with the kids, roll out to work, hard, stressful day, come back, work with the kids, get them down, chill if you can, let the stress flow back to the grind. So that's the space he's in, and now it's been months of that. And so it wears and wears and wears and wears on your well-being. It wears and wears and wears on your soul. And then eventually you just get to a place where you're so done, so exhausted, so spent, and feel more lethargic, more, more gray and dark than you typically do. And, and then what we typically do is we go, oh, gosh, I'm not spending enough time with God. That's the problem. So now I feel shame in addition to already feeling down. But I don't have the energy to really do much. And so what do I do? And and so one of the things that he had done uh, is he was getting up earlier, is getting up earlier in the morning um, before everybody's up to try to spend time with God and then memorize some scripture, study some scripture in the morning, and then go into his day. And that is an incredibly valuable and important thing to do, to to go and spend time with God. But as we sat together, I, 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 I said to him, you know, it's interesting because... In many ways, it, it sounds like that's just sort of an added work now. You've got this very long work day, coming back to family, exhausted at the end of it. And what you've added in is an extra hour of reading and processing and memorizing and studying to try to, to, try to, to engage in that devotional space 
uh, and you've added that to your day. And so now you're like, wow, that's an ad additional heaviness to carry. And I, I wonder if that's the best solution because that's what we often do, right? We just, hey, throw in, throw in some version of devotion or engagement with God's word and then that will hopefully take everything else and, and make it okay. But, but it's interesting because um, when you look at scripture, in scripture, there's this beautiful verse where Jesus talks about what it looks like to follow him. Uh, many of you will know this already. I love it in the message version, um, just the way that it's said here because it, it speaks to some parts, uh, but it's the, the verse in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, and this is what it says. Are you tired? I mean, check. Are you worn out? Check. Are you burned out on religion? Not meaning, uh, are you sick and tired of following Jesus? What it means is, are you burned out on the work of being religious, of trying to fulfill the things that you know will be better for you or necessary uh, because God said you, you, you got to do those things? Are you tired of the work of religion? Come to me, Jesus says then. Get, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitted on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So it's fascinating to me because what that begins to cause me to kind of step into and process is this idea that Jesus said, instead of doing a bunch of work, religious work for me, what if you just engaged in a way, a rhythm that I kind of lay out for you, that I've laid out in scripture for you to kind of see um, how I how I walk through the day. And, and I promise you, if you walk with me, you'll experience the rhythms of grace. So in this, I was sitting with my friend and I said, you know, uh, I think oftentimes when we are in hard spaces, when we're exhausted and tired and spent like we all are now, the first things that disappear are obviously in those spaces, community kind of diminishes because we're just exhausted and spent and it's difficult to do that. And then we gravitate toward, again, sort of a more obligatory engagement in spiritual things to try to compensate or create a space to get our eyes fixed, get our mindset, do something. So what we do is we come and we say, I'm going to give myself to the study of scripture or to the memorization of scripture or to these things. I'm going to do more. And then hopefully out of that, the fruit will be greater well-being. But I, I wonder when I look at the scriptures, whether God isn't saying, what you need to do is come to me and take more. You need more of me. There's enough of me that you can take from me the rest of your life and, and I won't run out. I think we've, we do feel that because of the way we've been bred, if I bring things to God, that's better than taking things from God. But actually scripture would oppose that way of thinking and say, no, no, no. The whole point of your relationship with God is that you have nothing that you can bring him that's really going to make any significant impact on him. And he has everything you need to be significantly impacted. So what your attitude toward God should be is a rhythm that is constantly coming to him to take from him so that you can walk into your day in a way that he walks in a rhythm, in a, a rhythm that he walks in. So we were dialoguing about this this morning and just thinking, man, um, the... Uh, what would it look like 
to move into a space where maybe if you did get up early in the morning beforehand, instead of going into that space to do more things, what if you went into that space to go and take more from God? So we started talking about that. What does is, what is taking look like in that space rather than doing? And then we talked about the rest of the day and said, what if instead of thinking about this as a singular space, that you do something and then hopefully that gives you what you need, like a little bit of fuel for the rest of your day. What if instead we looked at the day and we did the kinds of things that were momentary comings and takings from God so that as we moved toward the end of our day and the evening, there had been a lot of taking. So, so we talked in that space a little bit, those kinds of rhythms. And then we got into a discussion about the design that God designed our bodies and minds to function in. So in, in, in the world that God uh, has revealed to us both through his word and through the way we're designed, because we, we get to explore that and, and, and understand more of our design, is that our, our brains and our bodies uh, are deeply impacted and respond to the realities of our environments and our thoughts and, 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 and what, we, what we experience. And so uh, in each event that I'm interacting with another person or interacting with God or experiencing my environment, my brain is taking that in and then it's making decisions and it's causing reactions and, and other things to happen in order to empower me in the way that it thinks will be best for the circumstance in front of me. So one of the things that we found over the number of years that I've been spending in trying to understand trauma more because of the nature of our home and the nature of our church and all of the foster care and adoption that takes place uh, and the engagement in uh, engaging with children from hard places, that there's a lot of trauma that comes with that. And so healing that trauma and seeing that trauma healed, understanding it has been a big part of my journey from neurobiology to biology to what the scriptures reveal about our engagement with God and his engagement with us, all, all of the components, right? So one of the things that you discover, just like with community, that community has a giant impact on your, uh, on your neurobiology and on your biology. And so it actually impacts your well-being, the way you feel, chemically speaking. Um, in the same way, our bodies are designed to take in information from the outside and respond to it in part with chemical releases. So for example... If you walk into a space that's dangerous, that you know is dangerous, so we might call that space a war zone, right? We're going to walk into some version of a war zone. Your brain is going to take the cues from the environment and from your thinking, the experiences you have, just like that smile, and it's going to say, oh, what I'm reading is that the environment we're about to walk into is a dangerous space, so I need to put into this person's body the kinds of things that will empower them to be aggressive and tough and ready for the fight. Because it's a fight. We're about to get into a fight. So chemicals like adrenaline will be released into your body because you need adrenaline to be able to strengthen up. And chemicals like dopamine and serotonin, the ones that make you feel happy and content, they will be held back because we, we, we don't need smiles. We need war zone kind of stuff. So we noticed over the years in our household, because our household in the early parts of our adoption journey, the first few years was such a war zone that when Brooke went in to get some tests done a couple years in, her adrenal glands that produce adrenaline were fatigued and her testosterone levels were high, higher than they should be. It's like everything about her body said, yeah, my body's just preparing for war, preparing for war, preparing for war. 
and we had some of these discussions about how our brains and bodies function. So when our rhythms of the day are these rhythms emotionally of constantly being confronted. Oh, look at, look at that. She, uh, Siri found something on the web. I'm excited. Are you excited? Um, I don't know what she found, but it's, it's unimportant at this current time. So um, as, as we walk through these realities of our day's rhythms and it feels constantly like a war zone, by the time we go to bed and we go to bed dreading the next day, like we're already in that mindset, what we are essentially telling our brains is tomorrow is another war and it's very dangerous. So don't sleep super well. And when you wake up in the morning, can you shoot a bunch of adrenaline into me? Because the second I get up, it's going to start. So do you see how the realities of what rhythms we engage in and where we fix our mind and eyes through that rhythm and what we experience through that rhythm will deeply impact the way our brain releases chemicals into our body that will deeply impact the way our body responds and feels that will deeply impact our emotional response that will deeply impact what our brain sends our body again. So what tends to happen is we live in a war zone constantly, mentally and environmentally. We tell ourselves, oh my gosh, it's, it's so bad. We, we do a quick little devotional in the morning with the hopes that that spiritual engagement will give us a bit of fuel for this very dangerous day. But in the meantime, our body is throwing adrenaline around constantly and holding back dopamine and serotonin that give us a feeling of happiness or, or well-being. So how do we engage in helping our body through the way that our brain experiences that? How do we engage in saying, hey, slow down, you can release some other things. So we talked about that category as well at my cup of coffee this morning. And it was so, it was such a reminder to me of the extraordinary importance of creating a rhythm throughout our day, throughout my day or your day, that empowers uh, the design that God created in my body and brain to be able to do the very best in moving me through the day in a way that I experience not just the hard, but experience the beauty of God. It's not just circumstantial, because if it is just circumstantial, then we just have to be honest. Then we are completely powerless, because whatever our circumstances are, that is just how we're going to feel and what's going to happen to us. And we will only be well if our circumstances are well, and, and not be well if our circumstances are not well. But we know that's not a biblical reality. And so, instead of just seeing this as, hey, let's take a, a, a quick little um, a devotional so that we can fuel for the day. What does it look like to look at the day in, in a rhythm and say, man, how do I move into the spaces where God is, take from him so that in that taking, a couple of things happen. His supernatural intervention is a part of my day where I say to God, I need you and I can't make it through this without you. So there's dependence. And then his design, his natural design of me, is impacted by my shifting my constant mindset onto the realities of the war zone to a mindset of this reality of the beauty into which I know I am going to um, enter and that how that beauty, God's kingdom and God's presence is with me as I invade the war zone. So my safety is that God is battling for me. I'm not battling for him. And so as I enter my day, even though the circumstances may be all of those difficult things, that I'm constantly reminded that my, my security, my well-being is not found in these. How do I do that? So um, we started 
we started chatting about that. And I just wanted to share with you guys kind of what we came up with. And then, again, I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, Carrie, thanks so much for um, uh, sharing that thought. I, I couldn't agree more. The version is a fantastic and, uh, tool for devotionals. So I'm going to share a couple of tools just like the version and how we talk today, my friend and I, uh, about implementing these rhythms. So uh, a couple things came to mind. Uh, obviously, the communal aspect and how that impacts us, and then the rhythm aspect and how that impacts us. And so we started with spiritual rhythms uh, because we wanted to say the more we can fix our eyes on Jesus and the more we can set our minds on things above, the more our mind then will literally respond to that beautiful reality of hope and will begin to think differently about how it prepares our body for the day or for the moment. So this extraordinary, intricate design that God created to holistically move us into well-being, right? So uh, we started here. One, if you're going to start something in the morning, especially early in the morning when you might be tired, how about you see that space not as a space that you go to to do more, but a space where you go take. So what does that mean? Well, you go into that space and you choose some tools that aren't causing you to have to learn more, but causing you to have to hear more or receive more. So we uh, came up with a couple of things. We said, man, uh, don't go read big theological books in the morning. Don't read the book of Romans or, the, or the, uh, you know, some of the New Testament books. Go, go pick a psalm the night before that is one of those cry out psalms. Like, God, I need you. I'm, I'm going to die without you. And maybe read that one, but read it more as a receiving from God what he's telling you and a crying out to God. So change from study and memorization to listening and crying out. And then um, I, I had shared with my friend this incredible tool that I use in regularity. Um, it is called the Divine Hours. Um, it is a liturgy, a church liturgy that, that happens throughout the church. Um, and the Divine Hours, uh, there's this website that I have. And I've actually, you know, on your, if you, I don't know how it works on the non-Apple phones. So, and I, I don't really care. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, for you non-Apple people, uh, more power to you. But um, I know at least on the Apple device, um, I can take a website and then I can make it a little tile so that it's like an app on my phone. So when I click on it, it just takes me directly to that website. So if you don't know how to do that, Google it. But I've actually done that so that I have a tile on my front page that is the divine hours. And when I click on it, it opens the website. And the way this website works is that uh, there's the divine hours has a, a morning office, a midday office, uh, an afternoon office, and an evening office. So four movements throughout the day. And it changes slightly throughout the day. Parts of it change. And so you can read it four different times or, or walk through it four different times. Um, but when you go to the website, it is automatically on the one that is uh, connected to your time. So right now it says the midday office So because we're in the midday. And then it, it walks through. So sometimes I will just do this by myself. Sometimes my wife and I will do this by one of us reading it to the other. But it is a, it is a coming to God not to do a work, but just to receive. So it starts with a call to prayer. Um, so I'll give you a couple of examples. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but literally it takes five minutes to go through the whole thing. So it's really incredible. A call to prayer. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with a sound of the ram's horn. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is king of all the earth. Sing praises with all your skill. God reigns over the nations. God sits upon the holy throne. 
I mean, considering our world today, that alone, I'm almost like, uh, got it. What a, what a beautiful space to be reminded of, shifting my mindset, that's right. So I automatically, I'm, I'm, my mind is already moving to this, this I, don't you just want to smile? Like, oh, yes. And my brain's going to respond to that and begin to kind of go, oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold the adrenaline, hold the adrenaline. So something's happening here. Uh, then the next thing, request for presence. Answer me when I call, oh God. Defender of my cause. You set me free when I am hard pressed. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Oh, what a, what a cry. Then there's the greeting. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the clutches of the evildoer and the oppressor. For you are my hope, O Lord God. My confidence since I was young. I have been sustained by you ever since I was born. For from my mother's womb, you have been my strength. My praise shall be always yours. And, and then it goes into a refrain and, a, and another reading, another refrain, and the midday psalm, then the refrain again, then the Gloria, then the Lord's Prayer. And then there's always a prayer uh, that's kind of the prayer appointed for the week and a concluding prayer of the church. And then you're done. So you just read through it. It takes about five minutes. And so I said to my friend, what if in the mornings you went, you opened up the divine hours and you just kind of read through the divine hours, just kind of read through it quietly and slowly and let, let the Lord just speak. And then you just sat quietly with your cup of coffee and said, God, I, I just, I'm going to sit here quietly and you do with me what you want. You want to say something, say something. You want me just to fall back asleep for a few minutes to get a little extra sleep. Then, then, then you do that. What, whatever it is, I'm just going to be here for just a little bit. And just kind of listen and think about what I just read. And then maybe if there's a psalm that you want to read just to encourage your heart. And then get up out of that space where you've come to take, not come to do. And then walk into the beginning of your day. And then I, I, I said to my friend, now, throughout the day, the divine hours, if, if it's a tile on your phone, what if it just sits there as an invitation? Don't make it an obligation. I've got to do it four times. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how I'm going to. No, 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 no. Do it, do it once. Do it zero times. But it's an invitation to say, hey, if you happen to be running through your day and a meeting ends early or uh, if, you know, your, your kids seem to be playing quite quietly for a little bit or whatever, stop for a minute and go, oh, yeah, the divine hours is, is an invitation waiting for me. And click on them and, and do the midday or, or, or do the afternoon or, or do the evening. No, don't do the evening. We, we, we'll talk about that in a second. Do one of those. Then I, I said to my friend, you know, another thing I found super helpful in my journey of rhythm is that when I'm, when I'm trying to memorize something, I'll, I'll often write it on a little piece of paper, the verse that I'm trying to memorize. And I'll take that piece of paper and I'll put it somewhere where it's going to constantly fall out. So I put it, my wallet is one of those folding wallets. So I put it inside the fold, but not inside the wallet. So every time I pull my wallet out and I open the wallet to get something, it'll fall. And then I'll be like, Ugh, and I'll pick it up. But it's a way of, of saying, I'm, I'm right here, read me. And so what I'll, what I'll do is every time it falls, I'll just take a second, I'll open it, and I'll read it. Or I'll, I'll pay, and then I'll read it before I put it back and put it back in my wallet. And so throughout the day, I've got this verse, perhaps, that I'm reading. So I said, I said to him, don't find verses that are like big convicting verses right now. Find verses that are just verses saying, I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. Cry out to me. I got you. It's going to be okay. Because every time you read that, not only are, is your soul being reminded of that, which is exceptionally helpful, but what, who else is being, or what else is being reminded of that? Your brain. 
And God designed your brain to then respond to that reminder and release a certain set of realities into your body, which then responds and affects your emotion. And so there's this extraordinary cycle that God designed into us so that we don't have to see these spiritual engagements as food for our soul. And then hopefully our soul will transcend all the realities of our physicality and then uh, we'll feel better. No, 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 no. God designed us that when we are experiencing these things, the entirety of our being is, is moved into better spaces because of that. I mean, it's, that. That is crazy that God would design us that way. And then um, as we moved from there, uh, I said to him, what if then as, as, as you get home, uh, we now become stewards of what we know God has designed our bodies to do in helping us become the person whose well-being is in a space that I can give myself wholeheartedly to those around me on behalf of Jesus empowered by the Spirit. So I said to him, uh, we know 100% that breaking a sweat, just breaking a sweat, um, going on a 30-minute walk that you walk slightly faster than your natural pace or doing a little exercise of some form for about 30 minutes, breaking a sweat for 30 minutes uh, releases endorphins into your body, which play into the same spaces as serotonin and dopamine, they, 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 your brain says, oh, this is, this is, this is good. This is good. So when we exercise ever so briefly, 30 minutes a day that just breaks a sweat, a nice quiet walk or whatever, then we actually steward the journey of our day in helping our brain and bodies do what they're supposed to do to move us from dark spaces and hard spaces into spaces where we can engage with the realities of God even better. So it's a, it's a stewardship of the temple that God gave us. So I said to my friend, non-negotiable, when you come back from work, either uh, before you engage with the kids and, and the family or after, or, you know, again, if, if, if you're home with the kids, um, finding those spaces where you know that they've got something to do and in proximity if they're very young or somehow 30 minutes break a sweat. Just break a sweat. Find, find a way. That's going to have a giant impact daily on the way that your body's responding. And then I said this to him. In the evening, ask yourself this question. Because this is what I've been wrestling with. What can I do tonight? Something that I will enjoy. That I will enjoy. Maybe it's eating a bowl of ice cream. Tonight I'm going to enjoy eating a bowl. I mean, I'm really going to enjoy it. Like, I would enjoy that. That's going to be good. Or maybe it is a particular episode. But it's not like... I just want to find something brainless because the, the problem with brainless is that it's brainless. And so it does nothing for you other than leaving you space to wallow in the war zone of the day. But what if you said, I'm going to do something I, I'm going to enjoy. So that may be watching something that I'm intentional. I, I love that show. I'm going to watch an episode of that. Or, or maybe it's a, a playing a board game with somebody in your proximity. Or maybe it is uh, stepping into some hobby you haven't in a long time. But it's not like doing big, long things. I, I'm going to do something for about 30 minutes that I just enjoy. Maybe more than 30 minutes, but at least 30 minutes. So think about this. What if my stewardship of my day included a rhythm that said, I'm going to start my day with just a, a, a brief time of coming and taking from God, receiving from God, getting from God by doing something like the divine hours or a little devotional that's just more like, hey, I'm, I'm here to give a little devotional booklet. Then I, throughout my day, I'm going to have the divine hours sitting, inviting me anytime I have some time to jump in. And I might have a verse that I'm reading in regularity. 
just keeping me in that space. Then I'm going to break a sweat uh, at, at some point in my afternoon or evening or, or morning, just break a sweat. I would recommend later in the day only because then it takes you out of the long day and gives you that little bit of an endorphin space, helps your body. Then I'm going to engage with family responsibilities, etc. And I'm going to do something I enjoy, just something I enjoy. And then uh, I said to my friend, the last thing is right before you go to bed, like actually you're in bed, lights about to go off. Last thing you do of the day, last thing you do, open the divine hours up, five minutes, read the divine hours. Why? Because when we go to bed with our mind fixed on the war zone of tomorrow, our brain responds by giving us less uh, comforting sleep because it's like we're, we're in a war zone. We, we can sleep, but not really. And it's preparing to wake up in the morning in that space. But if we read the divine hours and we fix our eyes on Jesus and set our minds on things above because it speaks to us and we're like, oh, that's right. As we lay on our pillow, our brain goes, oh, that's so good. So good. God is, God is so big. I am so safe. And your brain goes, all right, release some of the stuff that's just going to rest us well. So these rhythms are a stewardship of what God has designed in us to be a part of what brings about our clarity of his presence and goodness. And we're asking him to supernaturally intervene along the way as well. And so this combination becomes a space where our rhythms are moving us toward this space where the world looks at us and goes, man, wow, the, the storms have risen around us. And yet you seem to walk through them with a peace that transcends understanding, right? So that actual verse comes from the book of Philippians. And listen to this. It's so interesting. Philippians chapter four, listen to what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness or reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, so he's near. Therefore, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, asking, taking from God, receiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. For what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Isn't that amazing? It, it's, it's almost saying the, the peace of God is what you'll experience when you're engaged in the space of constantly being in a rhythm of redirecting, asking, receiving, and stewarding what God has created us and our bodies to do when we're in that space of safety. And so bringing that all around, uh, we get into the space where I am utterly convinced that we are in a time now where we will have a choice as individuals. We can settle into the current reality of our rhythms, where they've been uh, undone a bit, where our communal connections are, are small at best, 
and where our rhythms of the day have just kind of faded into the wind because what is rhythm anymore? And if we do that, then this exhausted, overwhelmed, uh, slow erosion of the soul uh, will continue and our uh, bodies and minds will continue to pump in everything we need for war, but we can't sustain that. And so our exhaustion levels will plummet, our moods will plummet, and it'll, it will just struggle. Or we can say, you know what? Enough is enough. Uh, circumstances aren't changing at all. I don't need to rip my mask off and run around and hug everybody. But I, I do need to say, I, I do need to say, say to myself, okay, what rhythms do I need to intentionally put back into my day that are these kinds of rhythms of well-being and connection with God to bring about both his intervention and my clarity of him and give my brain and body the reality into which it needs to function so that it's doing what God designed it to do. Um, and what intentional steps do I need to take to connect with communities, see people smiles? So just a, a quick thing. When we're talking like this, you are seeing my face without a mask. And yet we're socially distanced and I'm not wearing a mask because we are not in the same room. There are many ways in this environment that we can connect. A, a texting with a smiley emoji is like a smile, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's like a smile. It's going to have the same impact in that moment. I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so good to hear from you. A, a FaceTime that, that we have. But it's you and me saying, who haven't I talked to for a while? Who haven't I reached out to? Who, who haven't I connected with? How about I take 10 minutes of my day and I set it aside to make that connection again? And, and if we start engaging back into our communal connections and we start putting the rhythms in place for our well-being and we step back into exercising, breaking a sweat a little bit and, and, and engaging and listening and hearing from God and engaging and seeing uh, a rhythm in our day and enjoying a few things that we intentionally choose. Man, I wonder, I wonder whether what we won't experience is what Jesus said in, in Matthew 11. Come walk with me. Come experience the unforced rhythms of grace, and I will give you rest for your soul. So that's where I am kind of moving into, and, and I, I hope that that's helpful for you guys. Um, David just uh, threw down here some really, really cool stuff from Bible.com, um, and, and it, it's awesome seeing God everywhere. So cool. Thank you, David and, and Obi. Uh, so, so good to see you here. Uh, we bump into each other in some regularity as we buzz around our worlds, but so good to see you guys. And Carrie again, uh, put some really great stuff on here. hundred days of hope. I love that. Um, again, uh, for the version plan, um, so many incredible tools, uh, we through the divine hours on there. Um, man, lots of tools, lots of things available, lots of ways, but at the end of the day, what it's going to take is me and you deciding, I am going to steward my day in this way. Don't add burden or work. Enter into rhythm and freedom with small things that bring your soul the connection it needs with God, fixing your eyes and setting your mind on things above and on Jesus, and then letting him in his design of your body and in his supernatural presence begin to move you and I into a space of contentment and dependence and well-being. And out of that overflow, we will flow into the space of being communal with each other in such a way 
that begins to affect well-being even further. And then the peace of God that transcends understanding, the God of peace, will be with us. And we will experience it through his design, through his presence, and through the way that he's made us to be together. So I hope that this has been helpful. Uh, it's just kind of the journey I'm on right now in navigating these spaces myself. It will come with a bumpy ride. You'll succeed some, you'll fail some. Um, but it's, it's, it's just where we begin to start pressing in rhythms. Let's press into them and see where they take us. It's been great to be with you guys today. Uh, it is time to rock and roll and get out of here. I hope that your day uh, ahead is one that will find a couple of breakaway spaces uh, as I will work to have my day do the same. And in the busyness and reality of our day, may we find God's presence uh, to be more full as we engage in some of these little rhythms. Let me pray for you guys, and then we'll get out of here. God, thanks for your incredible revelation through your word, for the incredible empowerment you give us by your spirit, and then for the privilege we have to participate with you in stewarding the things that are around us and our bodies and our and our days and our resources and and, and everything, our circumstances. And so we're just grateful uh, that you've given us instruction and direction through your word, that you've designed our bodies so that as we explore our bodies, even scientifically, we start realizing, wow, wow, they work this way. They do these things. Why is that? And we start realizing as we see your word by your spirit and we see our bodies and our brains working, we're like, oh my goodness, you designed it this way so that our experience of you will be one that is fully impacted on our whole being. So God, help us to be good stewards of all of that and help us to be a people that intentionally engage in some new communal rhythms and some new daily rhythms that will give us the space to just come to you, see you, know you, hear from you, experience hope from you, and so that our brains will begin to get that message and respond in kind to what our bodies, which will affect our emotions, which will shape the way that we enter and experience our days. Help us in this journey, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been so good to be with all of you guys, and I uh, can't wait to see you next week. Have a fantastic day.